Hey everyone, so before we begin, we did have some technical difficulties that have affected the audio quality for this week and next week's episodes. We've re-recorded some lines and made some adjustments to the audio where necessary. It's not the best audio quality, but it's definitely not the worst. We hope you all still enjoy the show. Now, over to you, Natty. This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you... Or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Bondage Gaze. I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. And today we're joined by Jonathan, better known as Hushton Bound. Hello. How's your day going? It's going. It's afternoon. It's kind of nice actually today. Sunny and kind of warm, finally. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like I'm not that far away from you geographically, but like, yeah, like, I mean, we've had a really just weird ass winter and spring a few weeks ago, went up to like 80. And and so people just immediately started like flocking to the lake and, you know, the beaches and everything like that and wearing shorts and everything. And then it fucking snowed like right after that. And then it's just been weird, like, you know, cold and rainy and just all of that shit and everything. And then now it finally mild out a little. Yeah. You had me at shorts, lost me at snow. <laughs> well, in Montreal, like you will see on the same day, people wearing shorts and people wearing the winter coat, like not the same people, but you will see both of them, <laughs> which I feel you see a lot in like Chicago, New York, like anywhere upstate New York, Boston. Yeah, like, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, and it's funny, because it is a thing that like, of course, we have weather apps and whatever to check the weather. But we always just like, like, look out the window and like, try to spot a few people because we might see a mix. But it's like, okay, what seems like appropriate to like, wear out? Like, do we need to bundle up? Or can we wear like a bathing suit or something? I suppose you get those people that it doesn't matter what weather, they're comfortable in shorts and t-shirt. I actually had this discussion with my family last night and it turns out I think I'm the only one in the family that prefers the heat. I fucking hate the cold. <laughs> See, I'm the exact opposite to you. I hate the heat and like I'm fine in winter. Uh, no, I mean, I don't love the heat waves, but give me a nice warm summer's day any day. It, it was funny actually, like, um, like Tom, who has been on the podcast before when he visited Chicago it was maybe July or something and so it was warm here and you know obviously he likes suits and shit and so uh, you know when I hung out with him like I felt kind of obligated to wear a suit and you know it's like the warmest time of year especially here like so I was like oh I'm a little uncomfortable like like wearing this like in this heat and he was just kind of like I'm like I'm from Georgia like like this weather is nice up here compared to down there I didn't know you'd met Tom. Um, yeah, we, we it, it was a brief visit. Like, he was only here for a few days. Cause it was, like, for a conference or something like that. And, like, I felt like every day... He spent every day with, like, a different kinkster that he knows, like, in town. And, you know, I basically just had dinner with him. And then I think we had a few drinks.
drinks afterwards and yeah that was pretty much it okay that's pretty awesome though okay so that gets our little quick off topic discussion out of the way from here on out we stay completely off on topic and that's the biggest fucking lie i've ever told we go off topic a lot just so you're aware i don't know if you've ever listened to the show i have and it's fine and whoever is the whip gets to bring us back to on topic usually it's the guest <laughs> there you go <laughs> try to find a whip somewhere no no go ahead oh okay daddy oh god oh for no particular reason not because he got uncomfortable mr jonathan had to leave i am gone please don't leave no i'm not leaving don't worry i have nowhere else to go good you're the star of the show anyway okay um so where have people seen you in the kink world online to be fair i mean i've been doing kink for i can say decades now it's been 20 um, something years I visited various people mostly in the US a little bit in Europe more, more recently but I haven't been to many events other than Folsom in San Francisco like 20 years ago this year I realized that last night so in 2003 and 2004 I was in San Francisco for Folsom that's the only event I've been to I haven't been I've been to Berlin I've been to Brussels and Antwerp but I haven't been to like Folsom Berlin or Darklands so mostly online and locally in Montreal at various bluff events mostly in other bars. All I can think of as you're saying that, I'm just looking at your face and our viewers won't see this, but they can see it from your profile. And I'm like, fuck me, dude. You just must have the fountain of youth. I have my parents to thank. My parents actually look pretty young for their age. So obviously you, you can't see me, but if you look at photos of me, I mean, I look pretty much like what I look in the photos. I don't touch my photos and I'm 43. Like, I, And I know I don't look like I'm 43. When I was much younger, when I was in my 20s, people thought that I was like 16 or 15. So yeah, I, I know I look young, which also doesn't help when people call me daddy. I'm like, I get like the daddy headspace, but at the same time, I'm like, when I look at the mirror, I don't look like a daddy, uh, which is fine. Then again, my younger brother is a dad. So like if my younger brother can be a dad i can be a daddy which is fine i'm older than him i've come to accept daddiness or whatever it's called reluctantly i like that logic <laughs> i don't know it's like that's always an interesting thing for me because i've I, I i don't know i've always felt like i've looked or seemed older even when i was younger like in my 20s for a lot of my 20s i barely got carded to like go into bars or to buy like alcohol or anything like that <laughs> like and then it also just kind of added to it that like my best friend was a decade older than me and he was always getting carded for shit because he just looked younger and it's like okay well i guess i look old like that and then yeah it's like and then the whole daddy thing i, I mean i feel like i've always sort of gotten that throughout my adulthood but like i feel like w once i turned 30 it's like people just smelled it on me and just more of the daddies started coming in and all of that yep it started happening at some point during my 30s like later 30s but my friends actually have started calling me daddy as a joke because it used to piss me off and and so because it pissed me off, they just kept going. And then people started doing that online as well. I'm like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Shitheads. I know. Yep. What's the, I can't remember who it is that has a bunch of videos, Mr. Lida or Mr. Lead. I can't remember. I don't actually know how he pronounces it, but he has one where he's like, daddy is a state of mind and there's others that have picked up on this. So I guess it is. Yeah. It's not about the age, really. So you mentioned you've been all around the world. Where is your next destination and why is it Australia? So I can tell you that Australia. Australia is going to be in my next destinations with an S. My next destination is
is Japan. We bought tickets for Japan in October. I just got back from England and Iceland in March because obviously going to Iceland and England in March is like the best perfect weather to go into these two countries. But yeah, Japan in the fall and we've been trying to figure out where is going to be the next destination. My husband wants to go to like Antarctica. I feel that's far too far for me right now. I'm like, yeah, we just go not quite as far as like Australia first. So it might actually come pretty quickly for Australia. Okay. Otherwise, it's like mostly in-country travel. Like traveling in Canada sucks. It's a huge country and it takes forever to get anywhere. Unlike the US, flights are very expensive. It's cheaper to fly to Europe than most places in Canada from anywhere else. So it just makes flying unpleasant. Okay. And I should clarify, normally I pick on everyone with that. But in this case, we did have that conversation. So I did know that Australia was a potential destination for Jonathan. Yep, it is. It is. It will be in the winter, in your winter, in our summer. So I can escape my heat and enjoy your cold in quotes. Oh, God, why would you do that? But I suppose if you like... Because it's not cold in Australia, that's why. It's probably, yeah, it probably feels cold to us. And you'll come here and be like, oh, shorts and t-shirt. This is fucking hot. Exactly. It's like, what do you mean it's not minus 40? This is not winter. So what are your fetishes? I hate that question. Not quite true. I don't hate the question, but I always give the same answer, which is such a boring answer. Like my main fetish is bondage. You're on the bondage gaze. Are you calling that a boring answer? No, I, I know it's not, it's not boring, but it's just like, it's, I find it so generic, but it's generic to me because I've been into bondage for so many years. I'm like, I should have like a more well thought out answer and I don't, I just like bondage. I mean, other than, you know, in terms of like BDSM and kinks, like bondage is my main fetish and it's like leather and rubber mostly for like fetish wear. But in bondage, it's pretty much anything tight. Like I like tight bondage, which would probably be like at the top. And it doesn't really matter what form of bondage it is. I really enjoy like mummifications and sleep sacks, but it can be anything like rope and metal restraints and leather straps and whatnot. For rope, as long as someone does it to me, because I I have no patience to actually tie up someone with rope, but I'm pretty patient being tied up in rope. But anything else, I could probably go both ways. I've have more experience being a bondage bottom than top. But yeah, that's definitely at the top. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you. We love that you bondage is your number one. Trust me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, because it's like, I feel like it can become disappointing. Like if bondage is your number one, but then you meet with somebody who likes bondage, but it's not really their priority or what they, you know, it's not like their first thing that they like. And I don't know. It's like, because it's like, you could always mix things up or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, typically, you know, if I'm meeting up with other kinksters to do something it's like bondage is usually like the top of my list yeah i find that if and i mean the two of you can correct me if you think i'm wrong but i think that when you're into bondage and if you're looking to play with people like you want to play with people that are into bondage primarily and will do other things as well which in a way is kind of like why my husband and i don't really play much i mean he's into bondage but more as a side to like sex versus i'm really into bondage and like the side could be sex or not it doesn't have to be which is why we kind of like play separately plus our respective kings have like diverged over the years as well for me it's bondage can be a thing onto its own but it could also be with other fetishes or other sexual activities which i make it sound like bondage is not a sexual activity it is but it's like more conventional sex 
I guess, vanilla sex. Yeah, I think my husband and I are similar, but it kind of works for us. I don't really play with other people. It's just him and I. He's not vanilla, but I wouldn't exactly call him kinky either. He's just, it's become part of his lifestyle as well. He's also a pleaser. He gets off if other people are getting off, which makes me very lucky. I'm well aware of that. Having your own service top. Pretty much, yeah. Which is good because I'm a fucking, I don't know if you'd call it power bottom, but I'm a bottom that likes to, a dominant bottom, a mouthy bottom. Yeah. Uh, well, and then it's, I don't know, it's interesting because I, I, lo- I literally just uh, met another kinkster that's kind of like in my neighborhood. We just met for coffee and like talked and everything. And I don't know, one thing that I, like, it makes sense to me, but I've never heard it in that way. But like the difference between having like a psychological kink and then, you know, like other kinks that you sort of practice on and like that type of thing yeah it's like because it's like i feel like in a way of like a kink that like maybe it's something that you sort of like like a little bit more just like psychologically like on an intellectual kind of level or something like that like something that you're kind of interested in like that versus you know doing like something more tactical and physical and you know technical and stuff like that yeah um various aspects of kink that i like and i probably should preface this by saying that i'm a terrible actor so i don't i don't get off on role play like i can't do role play like i'll break out laughing at some point in a way that'll ruin the scene rather than like make it funny so I'm more into like what is happening versus trying to pretend that something else is happening but regardless it's still for me both the physical aspect of bondage like what it feels like on your body particularly like I do have strong preference or I wouldn't say preference I do like leather sleep sacks or leather straight jackets just because it's a giant leather hug that you're getting the tighter the better it feels weird to say but when I I'm fully tied up, I feel safe. Like it's like a cocoon thing that makes you feel safe. Maybe that's why I sleep in my bed and I'm like completely covered. And so there's that physical aspect of like the tightness, but also that feeling of safety, I guess. I mean, I feel like there's several kind of things to that because it's like even specifically with like sleep sacks, of I feel like there's something very um like kind of primal, sort of like infantile to it. Of like, you know, when there's a newborn baby, they wrap them up tightly in like a blanket and just kind of have like a baby burrito, like just kind of like that. And it's like because they do that because you know it makes the baby feel safe and comfortable and warm and all of that and everything and so I feel like there is kind of something to that of like liking that kind of constriction and restriction and everything like that and then the other safety element of that is like feeling comfortable and safe with a person that's gonna not only going to tie you up and make render you helpless and everything like that but also take care of you of like okay you're not actually being held hostage or abducted or anything like that you're in a safe you know place and somebody's just kind of holding you and you know taking care of you and taking care of your needs and all of that there's that also i've i've laughed so much when i've seen all these discussions about like weighted blankets and like there's been a whole slew of like i don't know if they're real or fake ads of like products where it's like you basically can turn yourself into a burrito i'm like oh look at that the straits of discovered bondage which you know it's, it's not quite fair because it's not you know just straight people I, but there's probably more straight people that are kinky than there are gay people but there's something there and i mean if you have products that are like basically pushing you down to your bed with a weighted blanket 
that there's probably some form of like truth to that. I've joked with my friends that bondage should be covered under Medicare. I find that a good bondage session is probably, if not more, effective than any kind of therapy for certain things, obviously. There are certain things you do need to have like professional therapy, but for like just basic low-level anxiety, put yourself in a sleep sack that cures it for me anyway. I wouldn't say it's for everyone. It's interesting you bring the weighted blankets up because if I were to tie my husband up, he would fucking hate it. But he absolutely swears by his weighted blanket. And he also loves to like throw the blankets over his head and wrap himself up. But yeah, tight rope wrapping? No. He'd be like, no, get that fucking shit off me. But the weighted blankets, he loves it. A sleep sack? I don't know. That would be interesting territory. I don't know. Start with the sleeping bag, then just add some straps to it. I'd have to buy a sleeping bag and that just... Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's like kind of like what you're talking about, about like how bondage could be like therapeutic and stuff of like, I mean, it just makes me think of like, it can't and shouldn't replace actual like meds or actual therapy or anything like that. But it can also just serve sort of a function of, you know, like what like art and like music therapy kind of do or something like of how those things sort of, you know, kind of soothe people, sort of help people through, you know, kinds of things like that. Like, you know, maybe if somebody's having a rough time of there's something just calming about it. There's a psychological aspect to it. I mean, when you're tied up, it, like you've mentioned it before, it's like someone else is kind, in a way providing for you so you don't have to make decisions. You know, as someone, and we all do, we all have busy lives. And I think most of us are in positions where we have to make constant decisions at work. And I'm like, when I get home, like, I don't even want to make a decision as to what I'm eating for supper. So can someone just tie me up and like, you decide what is happening. I don't care. Just do things. Yeah. And, and every time I say that, I'm like reminded of that line from Margaret Cho from years ago, where she's like, am I a bottom because I enjoy it? Or am I a bottom because I'm lazy? And in my case, it's a combination of both. I can be lazy, but I also really enjoy it. So I'm going to jump around in the questions a bit because you did kind of answer this. You did submit as a viewer question, what feeling do you enjoy from bondage? So my plan was to turn it back on to you. Is there anything else you would like to say about that question? It's the feeling, the physical feeling, but also like in a way the emotional or like, yeah, the emotional feeling. It's not just physical. That's what I do enjoy. I, I always come back to that thing of like the hug, which I've seen used for many things. And I love muzzles because a muzzle, particularly a leather muzzle, feels like you have someone wearing a leather glove holding your, your mouth shut. So it's like not quite a gag, but almost a gag. So a hood is the same, you know, any kind of tightness. Obviously, I don't have claustrophobia. So that's not something that I'm afraid of. And I enjoy that tightness. But yeah, it's both the physical aspect, but also how it makes me feel emotionally. Very insightful. It, it's funny because it's like, I haven't really connected those two dots of like a muzzle feeling like a leather glove, like over your mouth. It, it totally makes sense. And it's funny. It's like, because I mean, my boyfriend is really into like leather gear and like, you know, muzzles and head harnesses and things kind of like that. And he's also, I mean, he also got me really into um, like leather gloves and stuff like that. And he also really loves like hand gags and, you know, like gloved ha hand gags and everything. And so it, it's like, so it kind of makes sense that, you know, that he would like both if there's that kind of connection between them. It's a weird connection, but I think it's there. It is for me. I can't say that. I mean, I've tried one muzzle with the intention of filming in it and I just never make it work. But it was a cheap one as well because I wasn't really sure if I'd like it. I wasn't going to go out and buy like a nice leather muzzle. But that being said, I'm also not that big on leather. I'm not really big on hand gags either. So I'd be the wrong person to comment on that. <laughs> like, because a lot of what, um, like my... my 
my boyfriend has are like plug gag types of things. So like usually something that goes into the mouth and then with like a, a thing that goes over. And then one that I noticed that a lot of people like, it's like, I think there was a quickness to it. And then it's also easy, like say like if somebody's like laying back and their head's there um, because they buckle in the front instead of in the back. So yeah, it's like, like that's something that I've noticed for a lot of sessions or something. If, if one of those are handy, those are always like a good, like quick gag, like for people um, to put on to other people. And I mean, and then those are usually like, they're very comfortable. And then they're also pretty effective of like, you know, you can't really get out of them. You can't really, you know, you can't get too loud with them. Yeah, I find they serve the purpose of like gagging you at the same time, they don't prevent you from breathing. Every time I'm gagged, I realize just how much I breathe through my mouth as well as through my nose. Uh, But if you block the mouth, like it's almost not quite that I'm like breathing at 50% because my nose is not perpetually blocked, but it can be. I like something that allows me to breathe a little bit more and also allow me to swallow my saliva as it collects in my mouth. There are certain gags that you just can't do that. It's just like your mouth's open, you can't swallow or which can be fun in play. But if you're lying down in bondage, it might not necessarily be quite as fun. That's a good subject to bring up because I have so many congestion issues. And what do I love? Fucking tape gags. It's so cruel. It's like, give me any other ailment. Just let me breathe through my nose. But I'm just constantly fucking congested. It seems to be fine when I try to film. Like 90% of the time when I'm trying to film, it's fine. But then flip it if we're trying to do recreational. 90% of the time, I'm fucked. Uh, yeah, it's like, and then I like that you even bring up that like with drool because yeah, it's like mo like with most ball gags, like you're just gonna drool, you're just gonna leak. Like there's no way you can manage the drool. Like it's impossible. Like or at least nearly impossible. I don't know. Some people might be able to, but yeah, it's like with most kinds of like plug gags, you can kind of adjust your mouth enough to be able to like swallow your drool and stuff. And yeah, like you can kind of manage that pretty well. Um, okay, so what made you realize that you're kinky? Pretty much movies. Sleeping Beauty or Robin Hood. Any kind of like film where there's some form of bondage, whether it's the guy or the girl, usually it's the girl. Like I knew I was kinky before I knew I was gay. So I would always look at film and actually focus on the girl that was tied up thinking it was me. Not that I identified as a woman, but I identified as the person being tied up. In a way, I kind of realized that I liked that before I liked boys. That came years later. Yeah, it's like it's funny because... I enjoyed scenes where male characters were tied up more so than female characters. But like, you know, there were some scenes with female characters where, yeah, it's like, I kind of like imagining myself in her position or at least another guy in her position. It's like, at least, you know, I haven't really fantasized much about that, like as an adult, but it's like when I was younger, it's like, I did kind of, you know, fantasize a little bit about, I don't know, like the damsel in distress, you know, kind of aspect of like, you know, like a guy like saving you or something. And so, that was like like something I would fantasize about sometimes of like if I had a crush on a boy at school or something like that of like imagining myself like you know being like tied up and captured like that and then him having to like rescue me or something another thing too is Batman like the original like 60s and 70s Batman like those where they would all always be tied up in like really shitty bondage when you look back at it but it's like as a kid I'm like I feel weird when I look at this and I don't know why but I enjoy it so it's mostly this I mean obviously you discovered this I'm assuming for most of us through like seeing it on TV or seeing it online nowadays, unless you stumble across your parents doing something like this. But I think most of us discover it through seeing it in various media. So that's how I got into it. And then later on, when I started watching different kind of movies, any kind of like interrogation or like prisoner soldier type scenario was also interesting to me. still is. Yeah, I think you'll find it's very common for people to say I was into bondage before I realized I 
was gay. Sleeping Beauty, that is a huge, huge one for a lot of people. Uh, I don't think we've had anyone mention Robin Hood before, but I've only mentioned Robin Hood. I mean, I, I, I don't distinctly remember Robin Hood, but there is this photo that I've shared and I've seen others share it, maybe because they've seen it from me or I've seen it from them. I can't remember. I also grew up watching Sailor Moon. There's not much bondage there, but it's like different kind of like associations. And Nat, I love that little fantasy. <laughs> you know, there are ways that I still kind of fantasize like about bondage that are kind of similar, but then there are other things that like, I don't know. It's like once I matured, I feel like I just sort of, th- th- those sort of lost their thing for me. I think like more as I just gotten more into liking kink and everything. And it's like, eh, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know. Do I want to be rescued? Like, yeah, I've, I've had situations where I was, playing and the top was asking me like struggle because the top likes to see the bottom struggle and i'm like no i don't want to struggle i will not move because if i move it'll break and then i will be out of it just let me be it's this weird thing where i'm like why would i want to come out of this i'm happy here but i suppose like if they were to ask this like two or three hours later i'd probably do struggle that could turn into a scene well it sounds like they need to be a bit more intricate and strict with their bondage so that way when you do struggle you can't actually get out of it yeah, that is the one thing that I do mention when people threaten to tickle me. I'm like, if you're going to tickle me, you better make sure that I'm tightly tied up because you're going to end up with my foot in your face pretty quickly, which you might like. But, you know, safety, obviously. I mean, same here. It's like, because I like being tickled, but the thing is, I will not sit still. Yeah, it's like, so I need to be pretty restrained so I don't like kick someone in the face or something. But, well, that, and then also kind of getting back to my fantasy of like the rescue and everything like that. It's like, I feel like it also sort of relates to what I said earlier about like the being cared for and everything because in you know most kidnap whatever scenarios the people who tie you up aren't really taking care of you like because it's like they're the bad people they're probably gonna kill you or i don't know something like that or something and so there's danger and then but like when you're in the hands of like your rescuer then that person is being accommodating and caring and you know and everything for you and then also just like that and you know usually with apparel there's always just kind of you know that sort of just worry and care and like love and whatever from like the protagonist or something I felt like there's always something I kind of liked about that I, I I forgot what British soap opera I have like a scene from or something just because there's like a you know a kidnap in it and you know the guy that's captured is cute yeah it's like I don't know there's like something I kind of like a little bit like about that of like sort of the ransom note kind of element of it and then you know when they when they go to pay his ransom and everything and there's like that like kind of exchange and I don't know like there there is something kind of fun about that I mean there's also a little bit of a danger element when we're doing kink like especially the first time you meet someone like especially if you've not met them in person before like you go up to some person and you don't know who they are and what they're going to do to you so there is there is that which is you know do it knowing what you're getting yourself into but there's that little side of like excitement carrying an excitement from the danger oh yeah who doesn't have fantasies of being in situations of peril obviously there shouldn't be any real peril like even when you're meeting a stranger you should take all those precautions make sure someone knows exactly where you are but of course you can dream you're like what if he decides to i don't know stash me away somewhere but in reality we don't want it to happen but there's nothing wrong with having that fantasy at all yeah absolutely not yeah like even now that we're on the subject of like i mean even in these situations in like movies and tv shows and stuff like one thing i've been actually wanting to post about on instagram for a while that i've never gotten around to is i don't remember what it's csi or one of 
of those crime shows or whatever where a man and his daughter are taken hostage and the his daughter's not tied up or anything at all but the dad is like bound and gagged and um, at one point it kind of shows like the perspective of like the police that are like you know trying to like save them and everything and i guess they have some sort of footage or something so they could see what's happening inside the house and like it's not clear camera footage it looks like i don't know just like some sort of detection or whatever that they're able to kind of see people so it's not very clear images but they're able to see that the dad is like bound and gagged in it and everything and it's like i don't know i've always sort of liked a little bit of that element of them being able to see him tied up without necessarily being able to like rescue him or something and i've always just kind of liked like those moments because it's like then you know they're they're kind of seeing this and know what's happening but they can't you know necessarily do anything about it at that moment because you know they're trying to deal with with the guy that's you know that's holding up the place and everything is that the one where at some point the girl i think she's on the phone to her mother and she's like daddy's tied up yes i believe don't quote me on this but i think it was like flash forward or something like that i wasn't like csi but it was something adjacent yeah also you know those cameras i mean i've never played in a situation like that with cameras and like remote seeing someone but it does look fun you know you're tied up and you can basically be seen struggling yeah i mean i have i have done that a few times before because my my boyfriend has a nanny cam i mean we've done some things we've done some like quick kind of easy bondage like where he like there's a pizza place that's like you like a 10 minute walk from here and he's left me tied up but like in a way where i can either get myself out or something like if something happens i can like free myself somehow because just for the mere fact that he's leaving but he would have like the nanny cam on me because there was also an intercom on it so he would he would even be able to like tell me things or whatever and he'd be able to hear me and stuff like that and we've also used it to record things but it's kind of difficult to try um recording things like that it's kind of clunky and then also more recently uh like the last time we used it was like in January it was like late December or January or something uh one of my friends uh came and um it was actually the day that I got um my new bondage belts and everything so I tried them on him like we tied him a certain way and like left him on the couch and we went up to um our laundry room was like at the top floor of the building so we were doing laundry like while we were doing that but we were able to like watch my friend like uh, tied up on the couch like when we're in like the laundry room and um I even incorporated that into like a story that I posted Okay, wasn't flash forward, it's flash point, I believe. And also you mentioning your partner leaving you for 10 minutes. This is a terrible, terrible, do not try this at home story. I think it was just before Christmas in 2021. My husband had to duck out. He was going to be gone for about an hour and he tied me up. And usually, or well, sometimes when we when I get tied up, he'll tape my fists because I am an escape artist. And normally he uses the cloth duct tape. This time he used the cheap PVC tape. And and so we thought it'd be fine because it's really cheap shit quality. Oh no, PVC tape, it was way too fucking heavy. And so I'm laying there after a while. I'm like, oh my God, I need these fucking fists off. And I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do? I managed to get my gag loose, get my phone off the coffee table. And I ended up calling him. I think I used like my teeth or my nose to get my, unlock my phone. And I'm like, uh, can you come home and let me out? And then, so he was on his way home. And then I was like, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? So I even, I called Brody. I went on Instagram and I called Brody. I'm like, hey, can you just keep me company while I wait for Brandon? So I'm here hogtied, fist taped, having a conversation on Instagram with Brody. So don't try that at home, but also 
also I was in no danger, obviously, because I was able to call for help and get the gag loose so I could breathe. Oh, I'm like, that's that's sweet, though. Like, there's something sweet about that uh, conversation with Brody. Yeah, poor Brody, who's just expecting some nice conversation. And here I am all tied up. But at least you can speak. It's not, not like you're like managed to call someone and all you can do is go like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the sad thing, though. I think no matter how well I'm gagged, I can always get it loose. That does sound like a challenge. I believe it was season four, episode one of Flashpoint. Okay. I discovered that clip um, from uh, the the cave gagged wolf. Uh, it's a blogspot profile. They they still update. It's they're very sporadic of like when they update, but like I, I the video I believe might still be there. I can. I've just been searching, and I can confirm that that scene is still on Cave Gagged Wolf. It's like I mean, you know, the the dad's just gagged with a strip of duct tape and he could even kind of talk through it which is kind of annoying but yeah it's like I mean I kind of like the I just like the premise and scenario of that like it's funny because an episode I was recently editing a previous episode um, of this podcast um, somebody kind of like because I brought up writing stories and stuff like that and somebody kind of brought up you know okay well it's porn I don't understand why like I don't know why there needs to be so much complexity or whatever to it and it's like I don't know it's like the, the things that kind of get me off are a lot of stories are things like certain like character dynamics and scenarios and peril and you know like different kinds of things like that to just kind of you know add like seasoning to like whatever's happening i like those things and i in a way i I feel i i kind of annoy myself that i like those things because it kind of complicates what's gonna turn me on sometimes you do want to have details in a story i think that like the right details will let you imagine what is going on in your head there are stories where there's just too much details it's like i don't necessarily need to know like the color of the hair the eyes and sometimes it's too much but you do need some i tend to go more for stories and photos than i go for videos Uh, i find often that the videos are showing me too much or showing me the wrong thing versus a a photo where i can fill in the blanks or maybe i just haven't really found like the kind of video porn that i really want to see uh, or have the patience of watching or will last as long as i'll jerk off for which could be longer quick depends what it is so yeah stories was the first thing that i found when i started going on the internet many years ago and and that could just be a generational thing like i don't know like the kids these days what do they find like do they go on tiktok and find videos and did that change how they were looking at it like certainly when i started going on the internet back in my days there was no video like it was it took far too long to download a video and even photos sometimes would not download properly so those old notepad type text editing stories were what I really enjoyed. When it comes to stories, I disagree that there can be too much information for a weird reason. And that is because I'm notoriously bad, no matter what I read, I skim. Mm. So like I will miss key points of information. So if I don't want to know something, I will generally just overlook that. And then I'll be like, oh, why is this person? I don't know. I didn't read where this person got hogtied. Where did that happen? I'm like, oh, it's in that body of text that I skimmed. I mean, and then with that, it's like, that's kind of why, like, I feel like I haven't done a long story in a while. And I feel like I, well, I mean, part of it is because most of the stuff I post is on Instagram and Instagram doesn't really, you know, lend itself to very long, complex narrative, things like that. 
unless we do something kind of like like the gag reflex story I did with Mike, where it was like a whole Instagram profile that was basically the story. But yeah, it's like, well, that, and then I like giving a little bit of content. I, I feel like I like giving just enough context just to sort of explain, okay, who is this character? What's happening? Whatever. Don't waste too much time on like little details like that. And then just be very explicit of like what happens, like how, like how is he tied? What happens? Like have, you know, good dialogue, have, you know, kinds of things like that yeah it's like like i i really enjoyed kind of doing that with stories once again with it being on instagram i feel like it lends itself to a you know accompanying of like pictures and short video clips and things like that you know being able to like have you know these things kind of chunked off like that but then i feel like it just makes it a little bit more engaging yeah it's like i remember there was just one story specifically where i had a bit of the story and then a picture and then a short video clip and then more stories and then it just kind of went like that in that kind of sequence and um i don't know i mean some people said that they seemed to like it because it was just really easy to just sort of follow along with it and i i I just like really liked being able to do that and as well as to sort of stretch out you know the regular video footage that my boyfriend and i took uh, that that didn't really have a story to it it was just you know it was just him handcuffing and then gagging me and everything but i was able to stretch it into a story that way it's funny it reminds me like when i started my instagram it was for two reasons want want to get out of my shell like despite me being on the podcast today i'm still fairly shy i don't like to talk about myself very much of an introverted person a lot less than i used to be but main goal was to get myself out of my shell and just like actually be okay with watching me like watching photos of me because i used to have that issue and then i started doing the gear 365 challenge so i would post a photo i wasn't actually doing like gear every single day but i would take a bunch of photos and then stretch them out and actually get in the habit of posting um so i started that in the summer of 2019 and that kept going going through the pandemic and in the first probably first year of the pandemic it actually kept me going many days it gave me a purpose to get out of bed like even though i was working and i had a salary which was not the case for everyone uh, i still had like most people depression issues so it gave me a purpose to get out and post so i used instagram that way and before i was on instagram i was on tumblr until that debacle happened and i'm still really annoyed because i had a lot of followers but i think i had a lot of followers because i wasn't posting a lot of photos i did post some of my own photos, but it was mostly taking other people's photos and just adding a caption because it really bugged me when I saw a photo and there's no caption. I'm like, so I ended up posting captions, like just writing the captions to all these photos. And I ended up with like 12,000 followers on Tumblr at one point when I shut it down. And to this day, I still periodically like glance like at Tumblr and I will find like an old photo that I had commented on and like my caption is still there, which is kind of funny. But like some of my friends were basically calling me when they had to post a photo and they're like, how should I caption this? Because I developed this like writing skill of writing short captions that somehow people found out. Yeah, like it's like I've met, I've made so many friends on Tumblr just from doing that. What was your Tumblr username? Mine was hushpuppy1980 or something like that. Uh, I went from hushpuppy to hushed and bound just because I didn't really feel comfortable with the puppy. Like I, I, nothing against puppy play, but it, I didn't identify as that. So I just wanted to change my name and went with hushed and bound hushed for like gagging and bound for bondage obviously so that's what i found represented me more and i didn't want to have like a year or a place like it took me weeks to figure out how to go from hush puppy to hushed and bound 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just trying to think if I'd seen your captions. I don't recall, but I might have. It's not something I would have been looking out for. Uh, but yeah, I'll keep an eye out for your captions. Like there is one photo that I do remember. I also thought that photo was nice. And it was two guys on a bed. One is on his hands and knees dressed in kind of like puppy gear. And the top is about to put the puppy plug in. And I just wrote something to the effect. I don't remember the exact quote, but something like puppies about to get all rambunctious. In, in a minute and that was just the caption that I put and that was like eight years ago and like the last time I went on Tumblr which would have been about a year ago I randomly f- saw that photo and whoever had reshared it my capture was still there even though my account had been deleted whenever the thing happened with Tumblr I just got all hissy and deleted my account after downloading all the photos good thinking getting everything downloaded I have a three gig archive of porn only three gig it was only three gig yeah it was mostly photos not videos I need to consolidate on mine I keep thinking maybe I should um get like a cloud storage temporarily just as a place to organize it once my videos are posted once I'm ahead on all the podcast editing that will be my next digital project there's things I need to do around the house first though I've also bought some four terabyte hard drives not just for porn I want to organize like all our shit with them but it's something that I need to do because I am running out of storage yeah we probably all should do this uh, I will reluctantly admit that I probably do get off on just like organizing porn photos I'm like I get a kick of like finding the right tags for the photos see I'm weird because I save things I'm like oh I don't want to lose that because what if it gets deleted but then I find I get in these moods where I'm like I don't want to look at what I've got saved I want to find something new yes and then the archive just keeps growing mm-hmm. or like TV shows I'll download whole episodes because I want to see the scene of interest and then I think oh yeah I'll edit that down and then I just never get up to it so it's like there's fucking 500 megs a gig gone for like a two second scene I wanted to circle back to yeah to like Tumblr captions of yeah it's funny because it's like one really close a kinky friend uh, that, that I have like I feel like the way that we met was because he is somebody who likes you know heavy bondage and like layer gags and stuff like that and so he posted a video on Tumblr like years ago you know of him kind of starting with one base layer of like a gag and being tied and everything and then uh, like a few seconds of that and then it cuts to another clip with like more layers on like on his gag and and then you know and it cuts and and then you know it comes back with even more layers and everything like that and um he really loves like gag talk and that obviously gets more muffled as like the layers and stuff like that go on and i i don't remember exactly what the caption was but it was just something along the lines of like basically his captor was like trying to shut him up and he he just wasn't shutting up because he was still like talking and struggling and everything and that and then he really liked you know that i did that caption for his video and then that led to a conversation and yeah i think it was a pretty much like any platform like if people use it they will use it in a way that wasn't necessarily intended in the first place and we do develop like relationships in some way or another like i've met in quotes many people on instagram simply because of distance like i've chatted with with a bunch of people like obviously in australia but also in europe some people in asia as well in south america even and you know these platforms allow us to have these distance relationships that we normally would have only had locally at a bar when we went to a bar and it does create some issues with like how do bars survive in an era where we'd rather just send a message on grinder or recon or whatever platform 
rather than just go up to the person and talking to them. But they are there and I think they do fulfill some kind of need for people. Uh, so I am actually grateful that they exist. And it's hard for me to figure out how to use certain platforms and how to use it well for what I want to do with Geek. Like I don't live off, I don't make any money from this. Like I've posted, and I will reluctantly say I have like 700 photos of my face on my Instagram account, which I think is way too much, but I don't make any money out of it. You know, it served the purpose that I had it originally. And now I post a lot less, but I try to post something that hopefully is of quality. And based on the comments that I get, I guess it is. Yeah, I don't think 700 pictures of your face is too many. Well, thank you. And also, I think nowadays, it's not that bars won't survive. It's just it changes the purpose of them. Yeah, People used to go to bars to get on the piss and potentially meet new people, find a route, find a partner. But now I guess people just still go there to get on the piss. Yeah, sometimes of a different kind, but yeah. To get drunk for the non-Aussies in the audience. Yeah, yeah, it's it's same in Canada. We also say to get pissed. But in some cases, they will actually get pissed on. And get a route would be a fuck. Yeah, in a, in a way, it also is, I mean, if I can criticize bars in Montreal, and in Canada, bars, like the, the whole alcohol scene is done differently in different provinces. So in Quebec in particular, you are not allowed to have sex and alcohol on the premises. Like you can, you can have one or the other, you cannot have both. And so it has made uh, a lot of weird situations where you try to get some bondage play at various social events, but then like the managers will come and say, you can't really do this here because, you know, we're serving alcohol and we don't want like the cops to come down. And certainly in the last few years, we've bemoaned probably from going to Europe more, like a lot of people in Montreal has been going to Europe more and we see what's going on in bars in Europe and it's not the same here. And I think people want that to change. But yeah, I think bars need to evolve, but they're kind of like legislated in a place where they cannot evolve in, in many places. Uh, it might be different in other provinces and it certainly might be different in the US, but certainly in Canada, it's very... Sometimes I find that Canada, when it comes to alcohol laws, are even more strict than many places in the US. Yeah, it's funny. I think I'm just think- remembering Kevin's episode when we were talking about meeting other kinksters and he said, you know, people used to go to bars and everything. And then my reaction was like, people go to bars? It's like, because I mean, I feel like I go out a lot. I mean, I, I go out a lot more now than I did a few years ago. But the thing is, when I go out, it's usually with friends and other people and stuff like that and not really for the purpose of like trying to meet other people and stuff like that and it's like I don't know like that has like I feel like hasn't really worked for me and I also feel like it's probably even just like a millennial thing of like a lot of millennials probably don't necessarily do that kind of picking up and everything like that anymore like with the internet and COVID and just all this other shit kind of happening and then I don't know and also as a kinkster I've kind of brought this up um, because like in a group chat I'm in somebody sort of brought up how oh yeah yeah, there's there's like this really cute guy at the gym that you know like he's usually there when I'm there and I like checking him out and whatever and then another guy in the group chat said oh well you should like hit him up and you know tr- like go for it or whatever like that and everything and then that friend kind of replied like oh well I have talked to him and he's straight and has a girlfriend and and then I just kind of chimed in like with like the high possibility that a person is probably going to be vanilla like I don't really consider straight that much but like vanilla makes me like disinterested and even trying to approach them in that way because even if you are gay and even if you are into me if you're vanilla it's kind of like i don't know it's like you know i i will take any attention from that a cute guy is willing to offer me but it's just like less so if the person's vanilla because it's like well then like what are you gonna want from me or what are we gonna do or like something kind of like that he's like i'm straight cool i'm vanilla 
<laughs> I, I can sort of relate because I'm in I'm in a relationship. So I don't I don't think that I would blatantly say like I will never be in a relationship with someone vanilla, but I'm in a relationship. So if obviously if I'm looking to do anything with someone else, it's going to play. So if it's play, it will be kinky. Otherwise, I have no interest. Like I'm not just gonna go and suck you off or like fuck at your place and come back to mine. Yeah. So I could never see myself go up to someone that I don't know. Like that's so not me. And like if I was sitting at a bar and someone came up to me and started talking to me, I'm like, why are you talking to me? Like I don't know you. Like that's my initial reaction. It's like that. That, that reminds me of the the uh, um Astling B um her like joke about like um once she was in America when she was in America like because she's Irish um and she was talking about like being at a coffee shop in the middle of the day and a guy you know he was really friendly and everything but like you know also was like okay but like if it, you know I don't I hope this isn't too forward but I wouldn't mind going on a date with you or something like that and her response was like it's the middle of the day fuck off rapist Jesus. It also makes for a funny joke when she says it. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, well, because that's how it feels like with this generation of like, who just hits on people like that anymore? It's like, you know, because I even I even think of that of like, with like stupid kind of boomer advice we get from our parents about applying for jobs or something like that. Of You need to show up in person and, and like dress nicely and have all, you know, all your like resume and whatever in a folder. And, you know, these kinds of things that probably worked in the 70s, but it's like things don't work work like that these days like people like with online communication and everything people don't like just being approached randomly in person like oh i'm here for a job interview or whatever like that it's like oh go away yeah back at the restaurant i used to work at we'd get kids every now and then come in oh here's my resume be like yeah mate go go online sorry we don't take them and i imagine 99 percent of businesses except maybe the occasional like family-owned restaurant or mom and pop stores might take them face to face but everyone else is saying nah Get online, mate. So, Mr. Don't Call Me Daddy, Daddy Hushed About. Yes. What are your most dominant traits? I don't know what they are. That being said, because it's still, it's, it's a work in progress. I don't know what happened this winter, but some things like some switch in my brain went like flip. And I've actually started like actually fantasizing about topping guys. I always had like some verse aspect to me where I would enjoy doing certain things to guys. But this winter, like something went off as to what exactly my dominant traits are. I don't know yet what they are. I realized that I am quite a bit more sadistic than I thought I was like quite a bit more. I was talking about with, with someone recently about tickling and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I like I enjoy tickling. I also hate being tickled, but I enjoy it. Like it's that weird thing. But if you ask me to tickle you, I will fucking tickle you until you scream because somehow I enjoy that. Uh, also like bastinado like whipping your feet that's also something that like i've had it done to me like it's fun but i feel like i enjoy doing that more than being done to me so it's probably all this like sadistic aspect but also probably like doing quite a lot of discomfort with not much just this like moving your finger like just like scratching someone's soul with one finger where they're screaming their guts out there's something pleasing about that it's very efficient i guess you are fucking evil and i I am scare roused. Yes. Well, you know, that's why I said earlier, like about the thing of not coming out of a gag as a challenge. Like I will properly gag you and you will not come out of it. I'm trying to form words. For- oh. But the words you could say is like, this is the most romantic thing you've ever said to me, dad. Yes. I do enjoy mummifying someone. As much as I said earlier, I don't like rope. I really enjoy mummifying someone. There's something pleasing of like, particularly putting the strips, like mummifying 
someone making sure that the layers of like duct tape that they do overlap they don't split uh it keeps whoever is being mummified perfectly contained it does not let them come out and i can do various things to them which a friend of mine calls meanie things i do like to have meanie things done to me and apparently like to do meanie things to other people in a, in a loving and caring way obviously of course yeah, I love that. Because I mean, whenever I think of my most dominant traits, like I always think of like how much I love like kind of actually seeing a guy's vulnerability. And then it, it's funny because it's like, okay, like I've tied up numerous guys. And so I've seen them just kind of vulnerable in that way. But it's like, but then again, it's like, I mean, what I like, I like really being able to see it rather than, you know, just being tied up, but like kind of doing some kind of impact play or tickling or, you know, something kind of like that to just kind of, I don't know, just to kind of make use of their helplessness, I guess, of, you know, their lack of ability to like get away or get loose or something like that. And just kind of having to like take it and, you know, maybe not necessarily completely in pain or something like that. But yeah, it's like, but just getting that sort of like reaction from them, but then they can't really do anything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so Jonathan, uh, what are your most uh, submissive traits? I've been told that when I am in the process of being tied up, I go deep into like subspace. I get very quiet and very like subby. Like sometimes to the point where I get quite quiet, but it's more like I'm quiet because I'm comfortable. I don't have to say anything. So that's fine. And it's very similar in a way with chastity. Like the moment I put a chastity cage on, I get very submissive very quickly. I also get very horny very quickly. Uh, like I do remember like the very first time I tried to take it, put a chastity cage on, like I picked it up and I got hard. I'm like, well, it's going to take a while for me to put this thing on now. I guess my good submissive trait is I can get into that headspace pretty quickly. Obviously, if I know the person and I'm comfortable, like this has happened with people that I've played with a number of times. But I will, I, I don't want to say I get comfortable with people quickly, but there are, if I get to the point where I will play with someone, I'm probably already comfortable with them tying me up so I can get into that headspace pretty quickly. Getting in the right headspace. And I'm also trying to think like, what's the point of me saying this for people listening? And I guess get into that headspace Try and try to get in that headspace quickly before you start playing. Like meet the person, know that they know what they're doing, know what you like, know what you don't like, know how to communicate these things so that you don't have to talk about these things during the scene. Get that out of the way first and get into that headspace when you can. You do have to learn to do it and you have to know how you do it. Like it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, good answer. Very insightful too. Yeah, know what you like. And and it's hard, if not impossible, when you're starting and you don't even know what you like and what are your limits and where you can go. Like I've learned with rope bondage that I do need to say something. Like if, if someone is tying me up and doing, not necessarily knots, but like doing like full like shibari style, at one point I do need to either actively push out when they're tightening the ropes so that I know that when they're like two or three steps further down and they're going to tighten the whole thing that it's not going to be too tight and I've learned that by doing it uh, I've also learned to basically if there's something that pinches or if there's something that is too tight now to say it because I've been in a situation where five or six steps down the road I'm like well that knot is too tight and then they're like well fuck I have to undo like seven steps and go back so you know don't be afraid and just say things but you do need that insight and that experience to do 
it. It's never too late. If something is too tight, if it hurts, if it pinches the wrong way, just say so because it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. I'm very glad you brought that up. And I can't believe we haven't, I don't think we've discussed that on the show before, but it is a very good point. Like if you are getting tired and you are thinking, oh, this feels a bit tight, but I'm sure I can handle it. No, you need to say something because it'll become problematic. I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm better than I was, but I've been guilty of that plenty of times thinking, oh yeah, this is tight, but I can manage. Here I am hogtied 10 minutes in. I'm like, fuck, this is too painful. My, I get numb very easily. Like my limbs get numb, whatever position I'm in. Like I can't, I love the idea of being spread eagle. I cannot be spread eagle. Like within five minutes, my arms are just completely numb and it's the position in my joints. So I've learned that again, if something is putting just a little bit of pressure now, that's just going to get worse. Move your hands. Like at one point, like many times I've been tied up and I start moving my arms and usually the top sees that and is like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just moving my hands so that, you know, I keep that blood flow going because I know otherwise I'm just going to get numb in five minutes. And that's probably why like this idea of being active while you're being tied up is good because you actually get your blood moving, uh, which is good for you. Yeah. I don't really get numb, but I get pins and needles. Yeah. What about you, Natty? No, like I, I remember when around the time I, I first met my boyfriend. And so I when I first met him, uh, he was like the first few kind of sessions I had when I moved to Chicago. And it was the first time being tied up at like after years of like not um, having any bondage or anything like that. And okay, my boyfriend it doesn't use rope or anything. He uses like different kinds of like cuffs and leather restraints and stuff like that. And then also like I noticed like a lot of ways that he ties usually involve the hands kind of being in front of you or at your sides or something like that or tied to the you know the arms of a chair or something. He didn't do anything that like restrained my hands behind my back until you know I don't know let's say like maybe our 10th session or something where we played together and I remember I loved it and then I immediately learned like why he doesn't restrain my hands behind my back that much because it was kind of a pain in the ass with just like was sitting it was sitting in a chair or like doing anything other than like standing or something like that like it was just kind of annoying to have your hands behind your back if you're if you have to lean on anything if you have to anything like that because my hands would just immediately start getting like numb or tingly or yeah like I mean I I obviously can have my hands behind my back I've had them tied behind my back a lot of times but yeah it's like there's just more things you kind of have to worry about with that yeah you just gotta be careful be vocal don't be afraid don't think oh fuck I need to keep my mouth shut no if something is wrong you need to vocalize it as soon as possible because like you said Jonathan you don't want to get six steps down the track and then you've got to undo all these ropes because one little knot that you could have said 10 minutes ago was wrong also don't ruin your own fantasy like I guess it comes down to that like if if you have like if you discuss and you're doing something that you fantasize about don't let that one step ruin it down the road so just say it now so that you can continue that fantasy longer rather than having to stop it because something went wrong down the road yeah and I know no one likes to break the scene for example if you're pretending to be fully submissive yeah but one little break is worth it to not ruin the whole scene yeah I'm gonna push it a step further though because if you if you're a bottom and you voice something like that now that doesn't mean that the top needs to address it right away they might finish something else and come back to it but if if you say this is painful this is too tight or something wrong and the top is kind of like brushing that off to the side and continuing that's a red flag like you may not necessarily want to continue that scene with someone and, and at that point it might be too late to like do anything about it but you might have to end that scene like it's it's all about the judgment and the relationship you have with that person but yeah it, for me it would 
would be a red flag. Definitely. 100% agree with that. And safe words. If your safe words ignored, you need to get out of that as soon as you can. Okay, so that does it for this episode, but uh, stay tuned because uh, we're still going to continue our uh, conversation with Jonathan. So before we wrap up, we'd like to thank Jonathan for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure and an honor. Hopefully we'll chat some more sometime. Absolutely. Um, Until next week, I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. See you later.